So this afternoon we're going to follow on with, with prayer. Now that we understand that God does answer prayer in what is good for us, I want us to look at finding peace through prayer in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, because peace is the one thing that the whole world seeks. It's what we want. I want peace in my life. I want peace in my home. I wish for peace in the community. I wish for peace in my soul. I wish for peace in my mind. I wish for peace in my dreams. It's a good thing to seek for peace. But it seems that uh, turmoil and anxiety are the sure answers when we're trying to find peace on our own terms without seeking God. So let's read here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be careful for nothing means do not be anxious. Don't be anxious over anything. Now we have cares of this world, which is natural. We're to think about those things. We're to be concerned about those things, but we are not to be anxious over those things. So as we go through this short message, think back to the message we heard this morning on when God answers. And I want you to think to yourself, how then do you seek to find peace in the midst of the unknown? How do you seek to find peace in the midst of the unknown? And two, how does knowing that He knows what is good for us change the way which you search for that peace? How does knowing that He knows what is good for you change the way that you search for that peace? We have two points here. One is anxiety poisons faith. Anxiety poisons faith. And point two is prayer heals faith. Uh, Ended with a quote from John Calvin. We'll begin with that again. By prayer, we disburden our anxieties, as it were, into His bosom. Prayer is to be a regular habit and a close companion. Anxieties weigh us down. We all know that. We've all experienced that. When we are worried about something, anything, whether great or small, it bears us down. And it becomes to get get physical. It's not just emotional and mental. It starts to weigh on your body as well. You feel the weight of your cares. You feel the weight of the cares of the world bearing down on you. Your shoulders get heavy. Your feet get tired. Every step in this life gets a little bit harder to trudge through. Anxiety and cares of this world and the troubles of this world are things that aren't just going to go away. We can't just ignore them. But are we worried over them? Or are we having a faith, such a faith in the plan of God that no matter what the outcome, no matter what the answer to to our prayer is from Him, I will not worry. That is a big step of faith. It takes practice to get to that type of attitude when we are praying and crying out to God and not knowing what He's going to answer, 
not knowing if He's going to answer, not knowing when He's going to answer, or if He may tell me no, to simply have a peaceful faith in God's plan. Well, we as humanity try to be in control. We try to take things on. We try to fix everything. It's, It's just who we are. Some of us are worse at that than others. We just try to fix everything. I've got to have control. If only I could make things go this way, then I know what would happen here. And we start to make this whole flow chart in our mind of everything that's going to happen. If I could just get this to happen, then this would happen, this would happen, and this would happen. But the thing is, we're not in control. We are not in control of the circumstances that surround us. The only thing that you are in control of is your attitude towards those circumstances around you. But you cannot control everything that happens around you. You cannot put it in your box on a flowchart and say, this must go here so that step A, B, and C can happen. We can only control how we respond to the chaos in the world around us. We can only control our attitude and our heart of prayer and our faith in God in the midst of the unknown. An anxious view for worldly things, it's, it's an, an immoderate concern for the things of the world. Should I be concerned about feeding my family? Yes, I'm a husband and a father. I'm going to make sure that I'm feeding my family. Should I be concerned that I'm doing a good job at work? Yes, I should. That's the right and godly thing to do. Should we be concerned for the the cares of our church property? Yes, we should. Those are right and good things to do. But what happens is when we take that level of concern to an infatuated concern, that we are obsessed with this because we must know the outcome. It all comes to that outcome. If I could, God, I would have so much faith in you right now if you could just let me know that this hardship is going to result in this diamond. Just give me that assurance and God, my faith will be strong. That's not what faith is. That's a seeing the end result and being able to piece all those pieces of the puzzle together. But faith is putting that big jigsaw puzzle together and not knowing what that complete picture is going to look like. But knowing that the creator of this jigsaw puzzle of life knows the end result. That is having faith. We must be concerned over things of this world. I don't want people dying in the streets. I don't want more wars happening. Can I fix what's going on in Israel right now? No. Can anyone in this building fix what's going on in Israel right now? No. Is it concerning? Yes. My heart breaks for people. Am I anxious over it? Am I fretting over it at night? Or am I letting the peace of God through prayer keep my heart and my mind? Am I saying, God, you know what Israel needs. You know what the Middle East needs. You know the turmoil of our own country, Lord. You know what we need. I want to fix it because I have a plan that would make it better, but God, you know. So am I going to let the cares burden my mind? Or am I going to let God keep my heart and mind through prayer, knowing, back to the other sermon, that God does answer. 
And His answer, no matter what it is, is mercy. How does that affect then my cares for this world? Our failures start to cause more despairs. When we start to mess up by trying to take control, it just causes us to go to this ever-vicious cycle of more anxiety and more despair over us trying to control. We, we try to take these things in our own hands. And then we sometimes begin to doubt God's care over us. We begin to think, God must have taken His eye off of me. I need to fix things now. Then God will see. Then God will notice poor, woeful Titus. I'm going to take this into my own hands, and I'm going to do it my way. I hate that song. I love the tune. I did it my way. It's a beautiful tune, but I hate the words. I did this and this. Everybody wanted this. I did it my way. I did it my way. Brothers and sisters, do not do things your way. That will lead to destruction. That will lead to more anxiety. It will lead to more despair. Do things God's way. Do things God's way by trusting in His answer. No matter when it comes. No matter what it is. I'm not going to fix things my way, God, because you know as the good Father what I need when I ask. I don't want to take that burden on and start to just mess it up more and more because then I just get more anxious and more depressed and more burdened. But that's the result of what we typically do. I've got to just fix it myself. God has taken His watchful eye off of me. You think maybe Joseph thought that in the 13 years? God has stopped watching. He stopped looking out for me. I'm going to have to find my own way out of this prison. What happened with Abraham? God has stopped watching over me with His promise. I have to take things into my own hands to create the seed that God has promised me because God has stopped being faithful. So therefore, I will take God's plan and I will make it happen. And we heard the result of that this morning. Generation after generation still going and still will keep going of turmoil because of those two lineages. Because Abraham did not trust fully in the promise of God, so he took it into his own hands by doing it his way. And when we aren't getting the answers, when we're called to wait, sometimes that's the most trying. Sometimes I'd rather go ahead and hear the no instead of having to wait for the answer. It'd be easier to say, okay, Lord, just tell me no now, but don't make me wait. That's hard, the waiting. It's so hard, the waiting. But are you waiting? After you have faithfully prayed, are you waiting with the poison of anxiety in your mind? Is anxiety poisoning your spirit? Is anxiety poisoning your faith as you wait? Or are you letting the peace of God keep your heart and your mind? Are you casting your cares upon the Lord? Or are you going to Him and wringing your hands in anxiety waiting for His answer? 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your cares upon Him. Why? What's the second part of that verse? Because He cares for you. Not cast all your cares upon Him and then hope that He might take it up later and then wring your hands in anxiety. 
Cast your cares at the throne of Christ, knowing full well with full assurance that He does care for you. That He is concerned for you. That He does know what is good for you. That God knows what is best. Therefore, I will cast my cares upon you because I know that you do care for me. Leave it there at the cross. Leave your burden at the cross. Oh, do you remember the Pilgrim's Progress? How foolish Christian would have been when he's got the burden upon him. And he's trudging through life trying to get to the celestial city. And he gets to the cross. And the burden falls off of his back. And then he says, I better take this and grab it along and make sure I get it to celestial city with me. Leave it at the cross. Take your burden there and leave it and walk away. Walk away from the cares. Walk away from the anxiety. Walk away from the burden. Because He cares. And He knows what you need. Anxiety cannot change the condition or the state of the situation. It has never fixed anything. If you think you being anxious over something has fixed your life, raise your hand. Nobody's going to raise their hand because it doesn't work. It makes you make rash and foolish decisions. It makes you lash out at your spouse. It makes you doubt the love of your brothers and sisters. And most importantly, it makes you lack in the faith you have for God's good care for you. Anxiety changes nothing. But it does result in an injury to your soul. It does result in the dampening of your walk of faith. It will cause you to seek elsewhere, as Abraham did. He sought in himself a means to have his inheritance versus the promises of God. So it causes us to take our eye off of our Savior and put our focus back on our worries and our cares and try to fix them ourselves. And we see that that's nothing but a poison to our faith. And our faith grows weak. Our witness is tainted because then people see the Christian not having faith. The Christian living in worry. The Christian living in anxiety. The Christian having no faith in the plan of the God that they declare has all things under the control of His mighty hand. Anxiety poisons our faith. But He says in our Scripture, be anxious, be careful for nothing. But in everything, in every situation, small, yes, big, yes, every situation, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Why with thanksgiving? Why is that so important there? Because if you're not thankful when you're taking your burden to God, then you're going to keep grabbing on to your burden. But when you take it to the cross and with thanksgiving, give it back to Him, knowing that He cares for you, it is then and only then with that thankful heart of knowing that God will answer in His way and in His time that you can truly be thankful for His answers. When you have faith that God knows what you need. So you thankfully take your care to Him 
It's like, God, I don't understand the turmoil in my life right now. God, I don't understand the trouble in this world right now. God, I don't know what you're working and I don't know what your plan is. But I can thankfully place this burden at your feet because you are the good, good Father. And you will give your people what they need. The second one is prayer heals our faith. When we turn from the promises of God, when we try to cling to it, it does nothing but poison us. But when we go to the throne, in every situation, in everything by prayer and supplication, then we feel our faith grow strong. Because we're going back to the throne room of the God Almighty, the God of promise, who keeps His word. Peace protects the heart, and peace protects the mind. It says here, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep. That is the word guard. He will guard your heart, and He will guard your mind from the poison of anxiety when you rush to the throne room of God and get upon your knees and pray. And that peace is what we're searching for, isn't it? Peace. Adam Clark describes this peace this way, that harmonizing of all passions and appetites which is produced by the Holy Spirit. Now that is a peace. Not of our making. My peace can't last. Your peace can't last. The peace of this world can't last, but the peace of the Holy Spirit bringing all of your passions and thoughts into harmony with God's will is a perfect peace. This is the peace which keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. By the power of Christ Jesus. Through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus who is now our great intercessor. That is how our peace is kept. By going, knowing that His sacrifice was accepted because it was perfect. God will hear the cries of His people because He hears you through the blood of Jesus Christ. It keeps us from sinning under our troubles, this type of peace. It keeps us from sinking under our troubles. It keeps us calm in a troubled storm. And it keeps us with an inward satisfaction and an inward peace when we are truly trusting that God's answers are what are good for me. Verse 7, and the peace of God. The peace of God. Let's just chew on that one for a minute. My favorite verse, I've said it multiple times, Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. What is a perfect peace? Now a month or so ago, I was quoting this verse to myself and I asked, what does perfect peace actually mean? So I went and did a word study on perfect peace. There is not a Hebrew word that translates into this perfect. I got goosebumps when I studied this. Do you know what this perfect... What is the word for peace in Hebrew? Shalom. If you go to the Hebrew and you read this verse, it says, you will keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep him in peace, peace. You will keep him in the peace 
of peace. There is no way that we can adequately describe the peace of God because verse 7 here says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep Him in the peace of peace whose mind is stayed on you. You will keep Him in shalom, shalom, the peace of God. That is not a peace of our making. That is not a peace of man's devising. That is not something that I can make happen or you can make happen. Only God can give you shalom, shalom. And the writer so no other way of to write that than a perfect peace into our English. The peace of all peace. Because you trust in Him. God, I don't know your answers. I don't know your reasons. I don't know why you're delaying. But I trust in You. Only when you trust in Him. Only when you have that level of trust can you then have that level of perfect peace. You cannot have that perfect peace and then learn to trust. That perfect peace only comes by fully trusting without the answer. Or even when the answer is no. Or when the answer is delayed. You must have a full trust to find a perfect peace of peace. Then and then only can you find that peace in your spirit that we all desperately search for when I trust in your plan, Lord. Because you are a good, good Father. When we are careful for nothing, but in everything, going to God in prayer, we are giving it back to God. We're giving our worries over. In everything, let your request be made known to God. Let your request go to Him in an unburdening fashion. Fall upon your face and feel the burden lift. I've experienced it and I know many of you have too. When you just pour out your soul to God and you feel this weight lift off of your back and off of your heart. Give it back to God. We let go of all of the anxieties when we can remember the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In John 16.33, He says, These things I spoke to you that in Me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. I just I thought you just said you were giving me peace, Lord. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. There is your peace. It is in knowing the future. That's the final piece of that puzzle that we want desperately to see. It's in perfection with Jesus Christ. I don't know the here to the there. I only know what happens when I get there. I don't know what's going to happen in between, but I have peace in knowing that He has overcome. That He is in control. Then I find peace. When we make known our worries to to Him, does God not already know? Of course God knows. But you're worshiping God when you're praying. You are showing a sign of worship and humility before God. You are praising Him and worshiping Him in your prayer. But another thing that that prayer does is it reminds you of your dependency upon a righteous and a holy God. 
Oftentimes we forget that we need God till we go back to Him in prayer and we remember that I cannot do this on my own. It causes a great remembrance of dependency upon a good Father. And then when we submit to His answers as we learned of this morning, when we submit to His answers, no matter whether they're delayed, confusing, radical means, or no, we find contentment in His plan. Oh man, contentment in not knowing? Yes, contentment in not knowing. Contentment in no? Yes, contentment even in no. As Paul did, he was gladly rejoicing in the no that God gave him to his prayer. Our understanding and judgment and conscience through Jesus Christ just grows stronger when we learn to find contentment in Him. Because then Christ really does rule in your heart. And when He rules, He keeps it. He guards it at peace. And then we fully learn to lean on Him. Because we're weak. We need help. But we know who can help us and we know who is strong enough to carry us. This peace that passes all understanding. Adam Clark says, it is of a very different nature from all that can arise from human occurrences. It is a peace which Christ has purchased and which God dispenses and it is felt by all the truly godly but can be explained by none. It is communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power and influence of the Holy Ghost. This should lead us to then live a life of prayer. As 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, to pray without ceasing. Knowing this, that our peace is found when we go to the throne room of God Almighty, no matter what His answer is, knowing that He knows what is good, should cause us to live a life of prayer without ceasing. Does that mean we all know that it's not practical that we're always walking around praying? We know that that's, that's not what this means. You have to be realistic about this verse. But we would find that peace that we long search for if we would pray first and pray often. We should keep up stated times of prayer, regular times of prayer without ceasing. We should be continuing in those times of prayer. Praying always, not getting weary in our prayer, not getting tired of our prayer, not getting, dare I say, bored in your prayer. I've, I've done that before. I've got bored praying. What a shame that God would open His ears to me and I would get bored in going to Him. The meaning is not that men should do nothing but pray. The meaning here is that nothing should hinder us from prayer. That nothing would stop us from praying. That nothing would get in our way of prayer because we remember that through that prayer we are kept. Through that prayer we have peace. Why? Why would we not pray without ceasing when peace is what we search for? It has an effect on our state of mind. Having this trust in Him has an effect on our state of mind which will always lead us into that spirit of prayer. As we close, I want to finish with a, a quote from, from Jonathan Edwards. He had a sermon titled, The Most High, 
a prayer hearing God. It's wordy, but just have patience and listen here. This should be our attitude towards prayer when we are approaching God in prayer. Fervent prayer, many ways, tends to prepare the heart. Hereby is excited a sense of our need, whereby the mind is more prepared to prize His mercy in His answer. Our prayer to God may excite in us a suitable sense and consideration of our dependence on God for the mercy that we ask. And a suitable exercise of faith in God's sufficiency so that we may be prepared to glorify His name when that mercy is received. What if it's no? Glorify His name. What if it's decades delayed? Glorify His name. What if it's in a means so radical no one would have thought about it? Glorify His name. What if it's an immediate response and exactly what you prayed for? Glorify His name. But your heart is only prepared to glorify His name in every answer when we have a fervent heart of humble prayer before Him, knowing that God knows what is good. Therefore, knowing that God is merciful in His answer, whether it's immediate, delayed, not of our understanding, or even no, know that He is merciful. And knowing that, let this peace reign in your hearts and minds and take your prayers back to His righteous throne. For only there do we find that perfect peace. Let's pray. God, we ask that in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our trials, we cease not to go to Your throne. In the midst of much confusion, the ugliness of this world, the horrors that we see, Lord, may we go to Your throne. We want so bad to fix things ourselves, Lord, but we know that You know what is good for us. You know what we need. Lord, may our hearts and minds be so in tune with Your will that we are asking where the answer is yes. But Lord, sometimes even then, just as Moses and David and Paul, you still tell us no. Lord, may we still have as much faith in the no as we do in the yes. May our faith be just as strong in the unknown as it is in the known. May we learn to fully trust in you so that we can then have that shalom, shalom. And live with the peace of God guarding our hearts and minds through every situation as we constantly come back to Your throne of grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.